Hey guys, Cable here. Uh, just a quick heads up. This is actually content from my friend Gabriella Hoffman's podcast, the District of Conservation podcast. Uh, she had myself and a fellow hunter and conservationist, Ryan Bassham, on for a roundtable discussion that I want you guys to hear. Uh, Gabby was nice enough to send that audio over. So if you missed it on her feed, which I suggest you check out, District of Conservation. Uh, but if you did miss it, here you go. Take a listen. Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe to Gabby's podcast as well. District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to District of Conservation. I'm your host, Gabriella Hoffman. This podcast offers a sober examination into all things hunting, fishing, shooting sports, energy, environment, and the public policy surrounding it. And this podcast also specializes in original interviews that you won't hear elsewhere. Here's what I have for you today. We have a special episode for you all today. We are going to have a conservation roundtable with Cable Smith and Ryan Basham, two guys that I've interacted with and known for a while in this conservation space. I've been on Cable's show. I've talked to Ryan a lot. Both are very plugged into conservation, and we're going to break down a few things today. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining. You bet. Thanks for having us. Briefly, for uh, listeners who are unfamiliar with you guys, talk about your affiliations and your background and how you got involved in conservation. Go ahead, Ryan. Uh, yeah, thanks, bud. So, uh, um, gosh, I mean, I, I feel like I've been involved in some sort of conservation organization since I was a kid. My, my dad, early on, introduced me to different organizations like Ducks Unlimited, Safari Club International. National Dallas Safari Club, and so it's just kind of always been a part of um, what what we do. It's more than just about pulling the trigger and putting meat on the table. It's how how do we really put a lot of um, thought into maintaining these resources and making sure that we're able to pass um, this down from from one generation to the next. And so today, uh, I'm I'm very heavily involved in Safari Club International. And, and I put most of my time and efforts into that organization uh, in regards to conservation. But it's, I mean, if you, if you have a passion for hunting and being in the outdoors, it's kind of hard not to be passionate about conservation as well. So that, that's me. <laughs> right on. Right on. Yeah. Uh, unlike Ryan, I did not grow up hunting. I'm 41. I started hunting in my 20s. My dad's a huge uh, bass fisherman. So I wasn't plugged in with any conservation organization. Then in my 20s, uh, I... I started duck hunting and was like, God, this is way better than fishing. No offense, Gabby. I know you like trout fishing and I like fishing too when there's nothing to hunt. Uh, so then <laughs> I started getting plugged in with uh, Ducks Unlimited. Uh, eventually, 15 years ago, started the uh, Lone Star Outdoors show and uh, just never looked back. And so DU, obviously SCI, they're, they're the title sponsor of my show. Um, and then we had in Texas, we have the... Uh, um, Whale Tech Alliance out of uh, Lubbock, and uh, you know they're they're involved with the show, and also Park City's Quail Quail Coalition. So those are probably the, th the main three that I'm plugged in with. Uh, but there, I mean, there's hundreds of great conservation organizations, and I guarantee you, everyone listening, there's one in your backyard. So really, there's no excuse not to be involved with at least one if you're passionate about uh, hunting and and like Ryan talked about uh, the legacy that we're going to leave. You know. Uh, I have kids and that's a big part of, of what I do these days. And uh, if we let these, I'm just going to call them the, the far left, the animal rights activists steamroll us, then, then 
these kids, they're not going to have anything left. It's important to protect the passion because we do see it slip from our fingers. Individual states like California and Washington state are prime examples of that. And it could come to a state near you because your state, I would say majority is never guaranteed. It can always change. Um, even though you have threats from the federal government at times on in terms of your hunting access and things of that sort, but even the new frontier is watching out what happens in your states. And I want to bring your guys's I would say attention to what is kind of on your mind, either federally or statewide, a policy, uh, different restrictions or something even good, Um, because it seems like there's a lot of bad things nowadays in terms of conservation, what we're having to fight or put our attention to. But what is on your mind in 2023 thus far that could emerge as an important issue, good or bad? Yeah, I mean, I think for, for me, um, this Assembly Bill 584, which is the uh, Big Five African Trophies Act, and this is very specific to the state of New York, but I, I think a, a lot of times too often as hunters and conservationists, we go, oh, well, that just affects that state or that just affects that country over there. And, and, and I think we got to be careful with that because stuff like this can create a ripple effect that really negatively impacts us um, at, at scale. And so when things like this pop up, and this is something that we dealt with last year, this exact same bill, and it's it's frustrating to see it come back, you know, to the forefront. But um, it's it's things like that. Even though it's just for a lot of people, they go, "Well, I don't ever plan to go hunt Africa." I hear that all the time. Like, why 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 should I care? It's like, well, you should care because this is happening on U.S. soil, and if they can start shutting that down, they're not going to just stop and say, "Okay, we won. We stopped importation of big five game animals." Then they're going to go, well, we've already seen it from state to state on black bear and mountain lion, et cetera. And, and that one kind of scares me. Um, Again, it's just one more point of entry for these people that have a skewed mindset uh, against what we believe um, into really damaging what the future of hunting can be here in the U S and what we hope it'll be. And, and another one that for me, and, and I don't know that this gets talked about a whole lot, and I don't have a, a ton of details on it, but I'm in conversation with guys over in Australia and the potential of them losing waterfowl hunting of all things is incredibly real and scary. Um, and, and that hits me because I, for SCI, I sit on the record book committee for wing shooting of the world. And it's like, wow, if, if a whole country, a continent can put a stop to waterfowl hunting, that doesn't mean that, that the U S is, is immune to this sort of thing. It's, it's these policies that slip under the table and, and, you know, hunters and anglers aren't aware of that. Um, it creates mo- the wrong momentum and, and these kinds of things are, are what we have to be aware of and cognizant of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for me, um, like over the past six months we've dealt with in Texas, this, this movement by Texans from outlines to really, I would just call it the Californication of, of wildlife management. And that's their mindset. Uh, the people behind that organization all were championing Beto for governor. This is not a joke. Uh, and then they're, but they're also in the same breath saying, Oh yeah, we're pro hunting. Well, they have board members, founding board members. There's like seven of them on, on their coalition. One of the ladies protested the weigh in in person at the West Texas big Bobcat contest. Then I find out she financed the project coyote film about a wildlife, they call them wildlife killing contests. We call them, you know, predator contests, predator hunting contests. Uh, this is the, these are the people they've put on their board so that they're going to tell you that 
Oh no, no, no. We're not anti-hunting. Well, look, I'm, I'm showing you here's an anti-hunter sitting on your board. Yes, you are. Right. And then you're voting for Beto, which he's the guy who says, well, hell yeah, I'm going to take your ARs. No, screw that. We're not going to let you do that in Texas. So that's one thing, but that's kind of beating a dead horse at this point. I've talked about that publicly many times. Gabby, what's really on my mind right now, and I've seen Howl for Wildlife, great organization posting this. I've seen SCI all over it, obviously. Um, but in Colorado, like in 2021, they had a ballot initiative where they let the general population, God forbid we let wildlife biologists determine how we manage wildlife, but they let uh, Boulder and Denver essentially vote to reintroduce wolves, the general population. Yeah. Okay, so they, they passed by 1%. Okay, well, that, that ship has sailed. It's happening. Now, we, now we're at the point is where what is our wolf management plan? And they have one proposed right now which I don't know all the details. I don't even know if it's public, but in the plan, it calls for once we reach this population goal, we will have hunting and trapping. Okay. Well, as it sits, we have anti-hunting groups petitioning the current, uh, the I guess the government, whatever session they're in, Gabby, you would know, uh, but they're petitioning to not have that passed. And so what they're trying to do is delay it because apparently this summer, uh, there are possibly even four, up to four new uh, or openings that will be available on their Game and Fish Commission. And the, the governor is anti-hunting in Colorado. We know that. And so who's she going to fill that the, those open positions with? Well, people of her ilk. And then they will pass. I mean, this is just predictions, but you, you, know, you can connect the dots. Then what's going to happen is they're going to pass a bill for the wolf management plan that is not going to include hunting or trapping at all. In fact, it will just prevent anyone from taking a wolf legally in all facets. So clearly that flies in the face of scientific wildlife management. And, uh, and that's why I think it's imperative that, that you know, organizations like SCI continue to push the current uh, Colorado and Parks and Wildlife Commission to pass this bill as it stands. A slight correction there. Actually, the governor is a guy, Jared Paulus, not a girl. <laughs> oh, sorry. Otherwise, you were correct. <laughs> but yes, I'm anti, glad you brought that up, though, dude. Like, it's, I mean, because I live in a state where we, we do, in my opinion, I, I wouldn't say that we have a severe wolf problem, but I've seen way more negative effects to the, the greater Yellowstone ecosystem than, than we've seen positive ones. I mean, you, you look at the wildlife situation, here where we live now and it's like there used to be thirty-five thousand plus elk in the paradise valley and now we're sitting at like eight thousand, and it's just and it's more than just that one example i just threw that, that out there for an instance but it's it's not what people think it's going to be and i think that there's going to be a lot of regrets and and this passing and and them protecting it the way they're trying to do it. and they think they're doing the right thing that's what's what's difficult with all this right like they're mm -hmm. passionate about what they're doing and coming at it with what they believe to be scientific facts. And yet we have some, some real life, like we've, we've been going through this for, you know, a couple of decades now with the wolf situation over here and it's, it's not been good. And so, but it's Ryan, do they, really they believe that they that. have scientific facts? Do they really believe it? Th I think so. Like in my conversations with them, they are so steadfast in what, in what they believe to be scientific facts, whether you and I, believe their scientific facts because trust me i'm on your team bud like i don't think they do i'm like guys right. this is very very dust but in their minds 
and in their conviction, they, they think what they have is scientific fact because they're sitting there going, look, look at this. This right here is a positive thing, blah, 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 blah. There's more, you know, bonifora in these areas <laughs> and beavers and all, exactly. And so yeah. that's what they're looking at. And I'm looking at it from a totally different lens and I'm going, no, this has been overall bad. This is not yeah. good. This has affected cattle ranchers and you know sheep farmers, and it's hurt our wildlife populations. And I, I don't see that when you when you compare the two, the scientific data they're looking at versus what you and I might look at. Um, I, I think that there's greater detriment to what's been done than than benefit. So, yeah, um, I think the only thing that maybe changes Coloradans' minds is if their household pets get eaten on video or some ring camera footage will show that the, these reintroduced wolves will kill their pets. That's the only way they change oh, yeah. their mind. But you know, they're oh, not yeah. going to kill the, the pets in Boulder and Denver and the morons that voted uh, for the ballot initiative to pass. It's going to, they're going to kill the, the good rural folks. That's yeah. whose pets are going to be killed. Sure. Unless they make their way to the urban areas. You never know. They're highly adaptable. If, if coyotes have shown us anything, maybe wolves can similarly do the same thing, adapt to these more urban settings too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. And it's much more the populate the human population density down there compared to where I'm at, it's much greater. So yeah, what is that going to look like? And and I think what a lot of people fail to realize is like a wolf, I mean, it, it is like one of the ultimate apex predators. Like even around here, like they kill just because it's sport for them. It's not like they're killing wildlife all the time just to eat. Like that's not it. It's a game. And they're really good at it. And if they don't want to be seen or found, they won't be. And I think that the the mass population of people that live here in the U.S. do not realize that. They just think that, like, oh, Hunter's going to go out and shoot a wolf. It's, man, I, I wish it was that easy. Those suckers are tough. Mm-hmm. And and they kill with, for no reason. Uh, Ryan, people don't want to believe that. They choose not to. But it's true. I mean, yeah. they, they do. True, they, they will it's kill true. anything that's in front of them. They do not just kill mm-hmm. the weak, the young, the sick, and the old. No. They don't care if an elk is a 350-inch bull. If it's in front of them, that's what they're hunting. They're opportunistic. They're going to kill what's in front of Absolutely. them. Absolutely. And they're damn good at it. But here's they're really the thing. good at it. <laughs> is what is the biggest funding initiative for Colorado Parks and Wildlife? It's out-of-state, non-resident, yeah. license sales for elk, mule deer. Right. You know, the list goes on. I, I don't right. have the numbers in front of me. I was trying to look them up, but I, don't, I wasn't quick enough. I think it's like $78 million a year, something like that. Oof. Uh, it's a lot of money. It's the biggest thing that funds their mm-hmm. entire department. Well, you introduce wolves, you're, and they have the biggest elk population in the country. They now do. You've, you've cut your, your right. elk yep. numbers in half over the span of, let's just say, 10 or 15 years. Now you're, you've cut your numbers in half. Well, you can't support those same over-the-counter uh, licenses. So now you've just undercut your entire funding. Uh, and that's what those people don't realize. Oh, I love, I love these animals so much. Okay. Well then why don't you let us pay to protect their, them and the, the places that they call right. home? Exactly. You won't be able well, to see them hard. in Estes park if yeah. they're decimated. No. Right. no, exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing too, because their oh, argument, you, you also saw the other coyotes oh, well. chasing the, uh... Oh, go ahead. Oh no. I just, there was a recent video of the, of the went viral of those coyotes chasing the, uh, I think they were mule deer around on that golf course somewhere out west. We just imagine That's those are wolves, one. right? And they're chasing right. elk around, like in, in Estes exactly. Park, like you said, Gabby. That's what's coming. Yeah. It's coming, and they can't. They they won't be able to stop it. And the and the reality too is is like 
you know, once, once they figure out where they can go and hunt and it's, and it's easy because those elk haven't really been pressured. That's why it's so great. All of a sudden, like, you know, they're gone. And, and if they think that, oh, well, we'll make up for the, those lost funds through people coming in to, to hike and, and to just do photography. Like, I, okay, I do all that. You know how much money I spend on hiking and photography versus what I spend on a hunt to mm-hmm. go and, and hunt some of these places? Like, it's drastically different. Like, I might spend whatever the fee is to get into the park and that's it versus some of these hunts I go, I'm spending thousands of dollars. Like that's what's actually meaningful to funding these programs for conservation. And, and that argument just does not hold up that they continue to try to spin because they're going to say, Oh, we're going to introduce wolves and it's going to bring more people here to want to see the wolves. No, it's not. And And those people aren't going to see a wolf anyway. They're not going to see a wolf. (laughs) They're just not going to. I've been into Yellowstone national park I bet I've been in there three dozen times. You know how many wolves I've seen? Zero. And maybe I was there at the wrong time, blah, blah, blah. But I've seen everything else. I've mm-hmm. yet to see a wolf in that park. And they are everywhere. They just don't want to be seen. Right. So it's it's not like this huge attraction that people are going to get to come and see the wolves. It's, it's not how it's going to work. So, so based off of what you just said there, I think there's only one conclusion that you can come to. And that's, it's an anti-hunting movement. Like they know what the wolves are going to do. They know that it's going to mean less elk hunters. And that ultimately that's the underlying truth here. Sure. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, it's, it's a, it's a typical emotional response from that group of individuals. And, um, you know, at at the end of the day, I think, I think you're right. I think the people that are really smart within that group, they know like tactically that this will put a stop to hunting because of what they've seen it do where I'm at over the last, you know, several years and it's inevitable. Like you start to have to, to readjust the tags that are, that are put out there for residents and non-residents alike. And that means less hunting. And then it means less conservation dollars ultimately. So they're going to bite the hand that feeds them. Yeah. You know what I've noticed recently just from the interactions with and dealing with this Texans from outlines assault on Texas parks and wildlife is how, and I guess maybe, it has never been out of sight, out of mind for me because you know, I, I preach conservation basically for a living. Um, but in Texas, we've never had to deal with it. But what I've come to realize is how well organized and how well funded these anti-hunting groups are. And I think yeah. for a long time, we as a hunting community were slow to react and we were always on our heels. I, you know, We're getting better. SCI is, has really uh, done a fabulous job. Howl for Wildlife, you know, um, there's lo- there's there's a couple, three, four organizations out there that I'm a big fan of with SCI, you know, kind of at the forefront. But now we're going on the offensive or at least reacting quickly, uh, which I think that's really our only hope because, like I said, for a long time, we just, we were always on the defensive. That's a true yeah, fact. Oh, Gabby, you're a big part of that too. I mean, who, who yeah, knows more about DC policy and, 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 and has got a finger on the pulse of, of all of these bills uh, better than Gabby. That's very kind of you guys. I wish more people did. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the only person talking about this, but it's not sexy enough in journalism to talk about this unless something evolves. But actually one story I wanted to ask you guys relating to introduction of species, but not by ballot box biology Jaguars. I think I heard that Steven Ranella talked about this, but this is like a several-year-old article that I saw in Nat Geo. What do you guys think about the reintroduction of jaguars into Texas? And they're going to go back and forth between Mexico and the U.S. Do you guys have thoughts on that? 
Uh, yeah, sure. Don't do it. That's a horrible <laughs> idea. You know what you're going to be doing is wasting millions of taxpayer dollars. That's what you're going to be doing. There's no Texas is so fractured. Everything is private. It's if 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 we were talking about millions of acres of federally owned land, I'd be like, yeah, sure, do that. Uh, Jaguars, it, well, with a management plan in place, right? Okay, we reach this population goal, then we're going to let hunters, trappers manage them. Uh, there's there's no way that's going to happen on private land. And, and speaking with big landowners in West Texas and South Texas about the whole Texans from Outlines thing, those guys are going to kill them. You kill my sheep, you're dead. Shoot shovel, shut up. End of discussion. Right. You know, that's just how it's going to go. So no, it's a terrible idea. And here's the other thing. Texas. Yes. Jaguars existed here. One, one time, Texas is the fringe, the absolute fringe of their habitat. Mm -hmm. You're reintroducing them into the, you know what? Put more Jaguars in, in Mexico or central Mexico. Do that. Spend the money where they can actually thrive. Not just trying to get them back to Texas because it makes us feel good because at one time there was, you know, a few Jaguars that lived here. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you just said without question. I mean, it, it is such a fringe. It's not like it would be – it wouldn't work. Like the right. when you look at the the, the biodome of, of everything across Texas, like Texas is a very diverse ecological system when you really sit there and look at it. Jaguars aren't going to flourish all over Texas. They never did. Like you right. said, it was on the fringe. And 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 then when you look at, at Texas and, you know, like some of the – the different species that that aren't there and is strong in numbers like why on earth would we put the money into reintroducing jaguars in a in a fringe part of the of the state when we have seen quail number drops we've seen eastern turkey population numbers drop significantly on and on and on like i, I grew up in northeast texas and i re- had all these great stories from my grandfather about hunting bob white quail and what the turkey hunting used to be and and that's all gone like yeah. why aren't we looking at those species and i'm sure there's many many more but it's it's the disney character effect it's a it's a big cat it is that sexy thing to look at and be like oh my gosh like that's amazing and they are they're amazing creatures but let's not force it into a situation where it's probably destined to fail and it just doesn't make any sense and so yeah that i think it's Silly is is the best way I can come up with. I don't know why on earth anybody yeah. would want to get behind that. Yeah, it, it would be destined to fail, no doubt about that. It's definitely going to be discussed more, and I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow go through with it with this administration. Why not? Because everything is open now to do that. <laughs> well, yeah, no, you know what we have in our their defense moment. here is the private landowners. You're you're going to have some that are yeah. like like the lady that's on the board for Texans from Outlines. You're going to have some big landowners be like, yeah, introduce them on my property. Guess what? Their neighbor's going to do that. Jaguar mm-hmm. gets off your property. That Jaguar's dead. Yep, gone. Although, although now that if I mean, if you guys watch Yellowstone, I mean they're in hot water because of those wolves were collared. They'd probably yep. collar all the damn jaguars. And be like, we know you killed it, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and let me be clear, I'm, I sound very harsh. I, I love jaguars. I I hope that they thrive in their in their home range, and that you know, we'll just leave it at that. They're awesome. Yeah. They don't belong. No, they are. I mean, they're amazing creatures. But and I've seen them. Like I've been in the Yucatan and come across pumas and jaguars hunting oscillated turkey down there. And they're amazing and, and they belong there. <laughs> yeah. Right. In the jungle. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's mm. just a totally different habitat that they actually thrive. in. that's why their numbers do so well where they're at currently and why yeah. they don't do well 
in Texas because things have changed. Like evolution has occurred. Like they just don't belong there anymore. The perfect example, which is an animal that is, that shares the same ideal habitat with the Jaguar is the ocelot. We have like, exactly. I think there's like 50 ocelot in Texas. That's really awesome. And I hope that they stay, but guess what? They only exist in like two tiny little areas of the state because that's their habitat. If you go further South, their habitat gets better. That's they're more suited for that. But exactly. they've proven they can't go further north. So, right, you know, it's yeah, it's crazy. It would be helpful if wildlife biology was not guided by Disney, and more so by real science. But we can only hope that happens. Um, for mm. for now, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. But if cooler heads prevail in the coming few years, maybe we'll get back to some sound management. Um, relating to pop culture and I guess uh, the intersection of wildlife news, what has been kind of a crazy story that jumps out to you guys? For me, I think I sent this to you, Cable, when you were in Mexico, that they were having this big kind of funeral for a mountain lion in Los Angeles, <laughs> eulogizing like P2, P22, I think that was the cat's name, or P222 or whatever the cat's name was. And that really struck out to me as like a gosh, like the Disneyfication of wildlife, like aren't there better things that taxpayer money can go to? Is there something like that that was kind of interesting to you guys, like crazy or fascinating or what have you? Uh, that one blew my mind when you sent it to me and I was in and out of cell service. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then you're like P22. And I'm like, Oh, that's that. Oh yeah. That mountain lion out in California that they worship. Right. Um, no, I I'll say this. Um, there's not one that sticks out to me, but I, I, I really struggle with the mindset of these, the idea that these people value animal life over human life. And whenever something tragic happens to a hunter where they, they fall out of a tree stand or in Kansas, uh, like 10 days ago, a guy, his dog accidentally shot him, shot him, killed him. I saw that. I saw That's that. crazy. Yeah. It went off from the back seat. The dog stepped on it and went through his, his seat and shot him in the back and killed him. And you know, from, and you can read the comments, but people celebrated that because he was a hunter. Like Ugh. that, that mentality. I mean, look, I, I love all people. And while I disagree with uh, anti hunters fundamentally, I don't wish ill will on them. So there's some kind of mental issue going on with that mindset. I don't know. Maybe they've eaten, drank too many soy lattes. uh, (laughs) Or fake meat. I don't understand that. Like, how can you wish ill will death on another human being? And it's disturbing. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. There's not not one particular thing that sticks out in my mind either, Gabby, but man, dude, I, I agree with you so much there. Like I, I probably live a life that a lot of people are like, man, like you're wrong. We don't agree with you. And, and that's fine. But, and I disagree with a lot of people too, but like I, at the end of the day, I can sit there and across from someone be like, you're human. I'm human. You have a mom, a dad, brother, sisters, kids, a wife, maybe a husband. I don't know. I can still respect you as a fellow human being. I just have a difference of opinion of where I sit in the animal kingdom and mm-hmm. the hierarchy of it all and and my purpose within that. And and if we disagree, okay, cool. I can still I can still find love for you as another human being at the end of the day. I just you're right, like the the death threats and the all the hate that that we tend to get for having a different way of of finding food. I often wonder, it's like, okay, well, are we gonna continue to become the minority until the point where all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're a minority. 
we should we should protect those guys right <laughs> you know what i mean like is this gonna oh. flip to our favor one day we're gonna become such a minority i don't know but and i know That's i'm not ironic, answering yeah. your question um directly gabby but it's just stupid thoughts that ryan has every once in a while so um but i don't know like it, it is it is crazy and, and i mean they'll throw a vigil for a mountain lion and in the same breath they, you know, if you shoot a mountain lion, yeah. they'd be like, "Ah, oh, I wish it would have ripped your throat out." Like, huh? exactly. yeah, like that guy, yeah. the yeah. the former ball player, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. What was his name? Uh, Derek about Wolf. Derek Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He played for the Broncos. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 crazy stuff like that. I just saw too uh, a girl, and I only, my daughter plays softball, and so anyways. Uh, she she was a softball player young nobody this didn't even make the news i don't think but same thing like it was a hunting accident and and gun actually went off and killed her this is like a middle school aged girl okay and you know can you imagine the grief her parents felt and all that and, and there were still people getting on and and saying some pretty awful things it's like this this yeah. was like a teenage girl guys like really are mm-hmm. we kidding ourselves here it's just it's gross you don't see hunters out there going oh good a vegan stumbled and fell at their, their rally and broke their neck. I, I'm glad right. that happened. We don't say that. We don't, we don't believe mm-hmm. that. That's you know, we, had why, really, that we don't care because the, the no. that side of the fence is always like, you know, I always hear this live and let live. Okay. Well then why don't you actually do that? Because I'm willing to, to let you do right. whatever you want. Why don't you just let me live my life? It's not affecting mm-hmm. you. I'm actually helping fund the things that you say that you care about. What are you? Are you funding this? Are you helping fund the right. conservation initiative? No, I guarantee you, you're not. You're getting on social media, putting a, a flag or or this color, whatever it is, and saying, "Hey, this is the flavor of the week. I support this." Saying I support it, do you, are you really supporting it? Like, no, you're not making right. a difference. Right. You know, it's like, okay, I'm actually out there doing it. Uh, now all you're doing is spewing hate and and uh, basing your your whole world on emotions over science. Right. But speaking of putting your money to your mouth is SCI is having the big convention come up. It's in Nashville this year. Why don't you guys briefly plug Mm -hmm. in why people should attend it in your own mind, in your own words. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) Uh, Actually, Ryan, I don't know if you heard this, but uh, they've already sold five times as many tickets like day passes as they did last year. Goodness, that's awesome. Yeah, it's because of the location change. Like if nobody nobody that lived in Vegas was going to the show, right? It was all people coming from all over the planet. Right. Like this show, like anyone within six to eight hours, like they're going to go make a long weekend of that. That's a a lot of people there, you know, in all directions. And a lot of, and that geographic location too is much more um, accepting and, and, um, you know, passionate about hunting and conservation. So I think, you know, that venue change was fantastic. Um, but, but gosh, it is such a great event. Like I get to go to a lot of these events as, as well as y'all too. And it's SCI is my favorite because I think you get such a great mix of opportunity and experience. Like you can go and you can, you can converse with outfitters all over the world. You can go and converse with different conservation organizations, even outside of SCI. Um, I think it's a real opportunity to, to meet and talk with people, um, you know, even like Gabby or the, the executives at SCI and understand, okay, well, where are these dollars going? What are the things that we do need to be paying attention to? How, how can I, besides just, you know, putting money out there, um, how can I get involved in, in doing some things and be more active in conservation efforts? I think if you really go to the, to the SCI convention and you look for those opportunities, you're, you're going to find them. 
Um, and, and that's more meaningful and impactful than, you know, other events that you may go to where you're just going to book a hunt or buy new products or, or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, and you're talking a lot about, Hey, if you're, if you haven't been before, this is a great opportunity. Uh, I, yeah. Personally, I like reconnecting with people that you only see at these events, you know, because yep. <laughs> they live yep. a thousand miles away from you, maybe on the, exactly. maybe in another country. Um, so yep. I think those, those old friendships, um, and relationships, that's a big part of it. And then from a Absolutely. business standpoint, it's like, for me, it's like a, a gravy train of just, Hey, who do I want to interview while we're all in this sure. one place, you know? So, sure. um, those are reasons why I love it. And, and then from a conservation standpoint, like millions of dollars are going to be raised by SCI. Yeah. Well, by they're going to be, you know, it's going to be because of hunters making donations, buying raffle tickets, mm-hmm. purchasing things in live auctions, uh, the right. day passes, all of it adds up. And then SCI mm-hmm. can fund all of the things that are essential for us in this fight to protect our lifestyle and, and to protect the, the, the wild places and the things that exist there that we all love. Absolutely. And there's some great people headlining. Katie Pavlich is going to be headlining a luncheon event. She's great. I've known her for over a decade. Awesome lady. And she hunts and she's one of probably the few mainstream reporters, commentators who goes hunting. So that's really cool that she's going there. You guys have lots of musicians coming. I don't know if I can come yet. Like I'm going back and forth. I'm going to try to come, um, but I have another event (laughs) conflicting that week potentially. So I'm going to try hopefully at least one day, but if I can't, I'll try to make it up sometime later this year, but it does look like a great event given the location change. Um, and SEI does great work, uh, lobbying on the federal side and states. And I know they're going to be doing a lot more, especially going off of this event and and be given the motivation to do it because of people going and supporting and seeing what they do and, and seeing that they're not just about hunting abroad. They're also protecting hunting here at home. Oh, big time. Yeah. I think, uh, and, and that's one of the reasons why the name is Safari Club International, but we kind of distance from that and just go with SCI because that, that, that term is pretty old school. And I think it alienates yeah. people a little bit. They're like, well, I don't have money to go on Africa. Well, okay, great. SCI is doing stuff in your state. I guarantee you they are uh, funding conservation efforts and, and certainly uh, keeping their thumb on any possible anti-hunting, anti-Second Amendment legislation that's being introduced and they are fighting that so uh, they're definitely just as involved here domestically as they are on the international front that's true and i will defer everyone to connect with you guys on social media you guys have great social media accounts i hope people engage with you they connect with you individually sei thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast to chat with me about what's trending what's happening and actually, I just got an update saying I don't have to go to this other event. So I think now I can get the we'll clear to go to Safari Club in Nashville. Perfect. So that should be fun. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank Thanks you guys. For having us. Yes, of course. Thank you guys. Come back again. We'll Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you haven't already, make sure you find us on your preferred podcast player. We largely circulate on Apple, Spotify, and countless others, but those are our two big podcast platforms we want to push make sure you're subscribed there especially on apple if you like the podcast a lot go leave us some reviews we'd be more than grateful to get some five-star reviews from you guys moreover we are on facebook instagram and twitter and a little bit on youtube we don't populate there but connect with us on social media find me personally on social media with blue check marks 
super easy to find, and I would love to hear your feedback and know who you'd like to see on the podcast. Thanks for listening to District of Conservation. Stay tuned for the next episode.